Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast, where we connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Here are your inspired women. Hi, everyone. I'm Jules from Julie Clyde Creative, and I'm here today with my friend, Megan. Hi, I'm Megan Hall, the founder of Megan Hall Motivation, and today we have our friend Felicia Ford, and Felicia has this amazing bio that I just printed off. Um, so I'm going to read it all to you guys and hopefully I won't mess up too much because last time we tried to do this, I like totally jacked up. <laughs> it's okay. You know, we all are a little different on paper than we are it's, otherwise. I know you are. I'm like, I just love your energy. You're just so amazing. So Felicia earned a bachelor's of science in occupational and technical studies from Old Dominion University and a Master of Science in Management from Colorado Technical University. Oh, you're getting cold when you go up in Colorado, girl. (laughs) (laughs) She holds graduate certifications in change change management, IT, and business information systems, project management, and holistic nutritional advising. Felicia is currently pursuing a doctoral studies in industrial and organizational psychology. Holy moly. (laughs) Where do you find time? You know, we're going to talk about that. Okay. (laughs) With a specialization in coaching and leadership at Walden University, Felicia completed residency in Barcelona, Spain, and has beautiful pictures, and will continue studies (laughs) abroad to deepen her creative perspective. perspective. She is the founder and CEO of Gifted Group and founder of Getting Involved for Elimination of Domestic Violence, Gifted, Inc., Felicia connects small business owners and nonprofits with their target audience through an intimate, luxurious experience that yields profits and long-lasting relationships. And I've had the, the, the awesome experience to be part of one of those experiences. And, oh, yes, they are quite luxurious. <laughs> we even had mimosas, which was nice. We did. <laughs> uh, Felicia often contributes to phil- – I'm not even going to try that. Um, at, at 8.30 at night. <laughs> philanthropic. <laughs> philanthropic efforts. There you go. I did it. Yay. In the community where she serves on various boards, coalitions, and commissions for youth and families. Felicia enjoys singing, hosting friends and family, and traveling. So, Felicia, wow, that is an amazing uh, accomplishment just right there in itself. But as you probably know, because you've known Jules and I, and you've probably uh, tuned into the Inspired Women podcast, we want inspired women sharing their real stories. So we don't, this is not the sugar-coated version. This is not the, Uh, look at all my accolades. This is, I, we're going to get down and dirty and real. And we really want to know, um, because as you know, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Um, What inspired you to start Gifted Group and Gifted Inc.? Okay, so I started Gifted Group because I was experiencing some things in the workplace, and um, I thought, hmm, there has to be a better way. Um, I started Gifted Inc. because after about 12 years, after I had my experience I wanted to share my story, but not only share it, I wanted it to have a purpose. I didn't want to just, um, I didn't want to feel like a victim. I didn't want to, I didn't want pity. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want people to say, oh, she went through that. You know, Um, I believe that my pain had a purpose and 
as you can see from my my bio, I'm, I'm a person of action. And so I wanted to be able to reach women where they are in their pain, help them rise up and then be able to use their gifts, their talents to do something um, positive and to, you know, not necessarily forget what they've experienced, but to rise up from that and to move forward from that. I love that. And um, we know your experience in your story, but if you could, you don't have to get deep. I know it's, I know personally for me, when I tell my story, it can be very emotional, but if you could just touch on it a little bit to, to share with our audience so that they know what you mean when you say experience. Absolutely. No, I, um, and for the time that I've been doing this work, it's been um, having conversations with women and some of them don't even realize that they've been in an abusive relationship. It's like once they hear someone else describe what that means, because everyone thinks that if your significant other has yet to lay a hand on you, that it's not domestic violence. Um, they forget or they don't, they're not aware that the, they're the words. There's you know verbal abuse, emotional abuse. Even when he or she is in control of the finances and you are manipulated into doing things because you wouldn't otherwise have money to put gas in your car, that's domestic violence. Um, my situation I experienced when I was um, in college, I was actually preparing to graduate. Um, my relationship had been, I won't say perfect, but it was, you know, it was a good relationship. Um, I was a, a milso then as well. And um, we went through about two two deployments. We were going on to our third deployment, and that's when things started to change. He started to change as a person. Um, he was verbally abusive. You know, I heard you're not you're not worthy. You're not a woman. Um, I was threatened with a gun several times, um, and the the and I I was a strong person you know and I say was because at that time I was not a strong person he chipped away at who I was as a person chipped away at my self-esteem chipped away at my my self-worth my self-image and isolated me I love you too <laughs> um and he isolated me um to the point where you know I was like I was embarrassed I was ashamed I felt guilty that I was there, that I allowed myself to get to that point. Um, I actually chose my education um, because I probably could have called my parents and gone back home um, about three hours away, but I could not not finish school. So I powered through all of that and I finished school and I graduated with honors. And um, But that school has always been my default. It's always been my outlet, and so I, I excelled there, but emotionally, I was a wreck. Yeah, I feel yeah. you. And your story, um, I mean, it's not similar because my ex wasn't deployed or deploying, but he did the same mm -hmm. thing to me. It didn't start at first. Like you mm -hmm. said, it doesn't start at first where, you know, they're smacking you up and people think that there's a stereotype when it mm -hmm. comes to not only d the type of domestic violence, what is domestic violence, but who experiences it. You and I are mm -hmm. completely different women and we both right. experienced it. Um, mm -hmm. And when it comes to my ex, he didn't start off like, you know, smacking me around or threatening me it was like words like, you know, you're a slut and you're dumb and you are worthless right. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. 
And mm-hmm. as uh, being in college myself at the time, and I'm sure you experienced me, that really, like you said, chips away at us because we're intelligent women going to wonderful universities, yet we have this person here that's making us feel like we're not worthy of even doing that. Right. 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 That's, right. that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that small snippet of your story with our our audience. I want to ask you, because I want people to know, what made you decide to leave? Because for everybody, this um, looks differently. Absolutely. Um, I, I, once I knew what was happening, you know, once he, he continued to apologize, but then he, you know, the next two days, he'd do the same thing over and over again. Um, I got tired of it very quickly. Um, we were actually living together, but not in a relationship if that makes sense. It doesn't, none of it makes sense, actually. Um, <laughs> but I remember times when we we would be in this in the same room or, you know, for example, we'd be in the kitchen and walking by each other as if the other person were, weren't there. We didn't speak. There was no speaking. It was like, he would, he would use the silent treatment to no end. And I got, it got to the point where I, um, I had become stronger for whatever reason. I don't know. I just kind of, was like, okay, this is out of control. Nothing's changing. Um, I actually, that's when I started my master's degree is when I realized that our relationship, because we were engaged, we weren't married, um, but our relationship was, was deteriorating fast. And um, I decided that I had to take care of myself. And so I went back to school to get my master's degree and I was determined to get a job and be able to afford whatever I need to afford to maintain or at least get out and be my own person and start over. So that was my motivation. Um, It was that, you know, I didn't know that word then, but being resilient and no matter what he said, no matter what he did, I started to not believe him. I mean, I always thought that he was wrong anyway, but when you have someone constantly telling you something you start to think that you're crazy. So, you know, that whole gaslighting thing, you know, I didn't say that. What are you talking about? Who who said that? You know, I get that. And it's like, you just said, no, I didn't say it. I don't know. You're hearing things, you know. So I just decided one day that um, I didn't care if I didn't sleep. And I didn't. <laughs> um, I worked for, uh, uh, I worked a full-time job. I had a part-time job. I had an overnight job and then a day job. And so for like three days out of the week, I got no sleep, but I did what I had to do to, um, save enough money to have, you know, first month's rent and whatever to go out and live on my own. Um, but I just decided one day that that was not the life that I was going to live. That's amazing. not. I think that's that's how it all ends is it's just something triggers and you're just like, no, I can't do this anymore. I've got to go. This mm-hmm. is not right. This is not it. Uh, yeah. So you went through that that horrible experience. What made you decide that I'm going to start uh, Gifted Inc. Is, the, is domestic violence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. What mm-hmm. made you decide I'm going to start Gifted Inc. and I'm going to start giving back to survivors of domestic violence and help out um, with the domestic violence community? Well, I held that as a secret for a long time that I went through that experience. I didn't tell anyone. Um, I told um, one person and he was a great friend through that entire situation. So it was like he helped me build myself back up. 
And um, that was early on in my my exodus, my moving away from him. Um, and so for years, I would say, you know, 10, 10 years or so, I didn't tell anybody what happened. Um, it was me working with my business coach as I developed gifted group that I realized that I had these emotions that I had not yet dealt with. And so I was like having an emotional breakdown. <laughs> um, and I have this nervous laugh now because I, I look back, like I remember being in her dining room, um, Latrice Williams McKnight. Ooh, that's um, your mama bear. Yes. My mama bear. Um, we were doing sessions and, uh, we met every Thursday for like what was supposed to be an hour ended up being about four um, over the course of a couple of months. And I just kind of realized that I, I met a, I came to a block in my business because there was this other part of my life that I just wanted to forget about. I didn't want to deal with it. Um, so she helped me break into that. And then once I, you know, I, I, I found the therapist um, I am pro therapy all the way, um, a, a counselor or whatever, um, to address those, uh, underlying issues. Um, I call it stuffing. We stuff emotions and we hope that they'll go away, but then at some point they come up like a volcano and they erupt. Um, so I dealt with that <clears throat> and I healed. And once I healed and there was no more guilt, no more shame, um, I decided well, even before then, I was doing things for the her shelter and for Samaritan House. So I was volunteering and I was, you know, giving and I was doing donation drives and even fundraisers for those organizations. And um, because I I came into this, I, I said, well, you know, I may as well start something that speaks to women who are in college because no one at the time was speaking to women in college. And we are at that age, 18 to 24 or so, um, the, that's the, the age group that has the most likelihood of being in a domestic violence relationship. So that's that's how that started. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. And you've worked with a lot of women that have been in those kind of situations. And do you often see that when they don't um, work through that, I, I call it baggage myself. I like how you're talking mm -hmm. about pushing it down. I, I tell my clients is like, imagine that there's a closet inside of your head. And every mm -hmm. time you don't work through something, you're just stuffing away in that closet. And someday yeah. it's just all going to come pulling out. Um, do you mm -hmm. often find that the women you work with, when they don't properly work through these feelings and the experience, and they try to just stuff it away that that affects that their business and their lives what ways do you see that oh. affecting them oh absolutely um anywhere from you know personal relationships to um business relationships you know i i'm naturally a bubbly person um i'm naturally happy so i was able to mask a lot of my pain but some people aren't that great at masking their pain and i um I've chose to deal with mine personally, if that makes sense. Like I didn't want people to experience or to see that I was hurting. Um, I didn't want to tell that story. Even when I wasn't ashamed of it, I just didn't want to share my burden with other people. 
Um, but some people, you see that they may uh, throw themselves in work. They may be extra busy. Um, they may just be, you know, they may have anxiety. Some people who might be, um, might have depression. Um, all of these things, your body, when the body is experiencing dis disease, you know, the word disease comes from that. Um, because your bo- something's out of balance, something's out of whack. Um, there's definitely, um, it's definitely shown in business, shown in relationships or lack thereof. Um, it's shown in how they treat their, their children. It's shown how they, in how they treat their significant other if they have one. Um, it's shown in how long their relationships last. Like, I mean, I could even look at myself <laughs> personally and, you know, I wouldn't let people get but so close to me. You know, I, I meet a lot of people. Um, but I would not necessarily have a lot of people very close to me. And so um, that was one of my ways of protecting myself. Yeah. So, you know. With me, it was uh, the first three years of my marriage with my husband. I was an absolute horrid person. I was so Mm -hmm. mean to him because I had all that stuff I'd never worked through. And I took it out on him, that pain and that that sadness and the stuff I didn't want to talk about because I didn't even want to admit to myself that it was domestic violence until like the last couple years because I was just Mm -hmm. like like you said you know he didn't really he didn't really touch me until the very end it was just verbal so I was I was brought up to think because that's how my family was like how my parents were to each other that that was normal and that's you know that's okay so I never I never thought of it um, until you see that and a lot of people are like that they think oh it's normal because they saw their parents and then when I took the um Samaritan house training I was like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh I have been a part of some sort of abuse since I was a child right that's actually what happened to me um the first spark series that I went and sat through I realized then that along the way um there was different forms of abuse but I had actually had that emotional physical and mental abuse for a really long time Um, and so sitting and listening to Samaritan House talk, it opened my eyes to what I had been through, that it wasn't just a really bad relationship, but it was Mm -hmm. actually a form of abuse and it made so much sense and it put so much into perspective of why I was the way I was with certain things and why I reacted a certain way with certain things as well. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth talking about and it's worth, um, like every story as hard as it is, it's worth sharing because somebody out there might go, hey, actually, I know someone or I have been through or, you know, there's always that chance of helping someone else step out of it. Absolutely. And uh, Fee, have you seen a pattern in your own life? I mean, that might be too deep. If it is, it's fine. I can Mm. cut this out. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yeah, I've seen... I've seen patterns, you know, and so my PhD is in psychology, right? Um, and before I chose psychology, I fell in love with neuroscience as I approached this whole healing process and neuroscience and neuroplasticity and how the brain, uh, how we can recreate positive experiences to not just, you know, push away or push down those negative experiences, but to um, replace them. Okay. So patterns, um, 
even from just who I am. So self-awareness, like I went through this whole um, reading all these books. I just went on this whole adventure, (laughs) I call it, of rediscovering who I am and why am I here? What am I doing? I have so many gifts and talents. I, I want to do everything. I can't. <laughs> I can't do everything. No, you know I want to. Yeah, um, I hear you on that. <laughs> but being um, laser focused on myself. And so I, I did that. Um, and that's why I'm so in love with the butterfly and that that um, that concept. And um, because I had to look at who I was before I met him and then who I became after him. And then what layers that I put on to protect, to cover, all of that. And so I realized that I was not able to be um, authentic in relationships. Not that I was purposefully lying to people, but I was omitting things so that I could protect myself. Um, I wouldn't let people get too close. They would not come to my house. As much as I love entertaining, you guys have come to some of my things. there was a period of my life when I would not, no one knew where I lived <laughs> um, because I didn't want them to know where I lived because, you know, that was too close for comfort for me. Um, I said that I'm a work, recovering workaholic. Some people would still say I still am, but there was a time in my life where I, I just, I worked more than I had to but I was avoiding going home because I didn't want to deal with that and whatever that might, might've been, whether it was when I was with him or when I I wasn't with him, but I would go home and it would just be me and it's quiet and it's silence and I don't want to deal with that. So let's find something to do. Right. Um, So those are the two things that I think have been, um, and then I pushed myself, Oh my God. um, Perfectionism. Okay, like that's deeply rooted. I still struggle with that. Um, And so by excelling in school and maintaining a 4.0 or 3.8 or whatever, um, that was my way of saying, I can't control what he's saying and what he's doing, but I'm smart. Like, I'm going to kick butt in this class and I'm going to graduate with honors or I'm going to get this under my belt. And, um, so another one other thing that I still struggle with right now to this very day, like it's eight fifty-two PM on March 6, 2017. Um, I still struggle with, um, not really. And I know this isn't like completely like religious, spiritual like thing, but I, I struggle good. with, allowing (laughs) like God to be God and I really will like I got to take care of myself like I have to take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself who is going to take care of me and because he you know we were in this relationship we were going to get married and I trusted that he would he did not and so I have a hard time with um that yeah, I understand. Yeah. And with the podcast, we're here to have our the people we interview share their real stories. So this is mm-hmm. uh, 
We accept all people. Podcast. So share what you want. I'm in a very safe place. Yes, it's a very safe place. Share what you want. There is no, you know, no, we all have different beliefs and that's a fantastic thing. And that shows everybody that we can all be friends and get along and hold hands and sing Kumbaya (laughs) (laughs) without being there. Kumbaya. (laughs) Right. I do. Oh, I got to move. I do want to ask you, um, did you have a hard time after that all happened um, with believing in God and believing that he had your back? You know what? No. Like, I, it was my faith that held me all together. Um, I also was, so (laughs) in my other life, um, I sung, I used to sing background vocals for a contemporary Christian artist and um, so I was on stage, you know, I was traveling, we were on tour, we went to Italy and Switzerland and, you know, I'm on these stages and I'm like, I gotta go back home to this crap, you know? Um, but if it weren't for rehearsals, if it weren't for, um, church, then, um, the people that, the band, the other background vocalists, um, if it weren't for Michael and his leadership and um, teaching, I learned about worship during that experience. If I did not um, have that, I would not have clung so tightly. And I probably would have been like crazy because there's a thin line between, you know, people say it's a thin line between love and hate. Well, I say there's a thin line between sane and insane. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, the night that, uh, I I finally left. He was angry that I was leaving and I was carrying my headboard because I was trying to pack as much as I could in my car, in my friend's car. And he kicked at me. He didn't kick me. He kicked the headboard, but the weight of it, of the weight, the force of his kick caused me to drop the headboard or I was going to fall with it. And in that moment, I saw, you know, you guys see the the happy-go-lucky, friendly fee. Well, I was like, I said to myself, I'm going to jail tonight. And I was like, there's no way I can go to jail. So I need to get out of this house. You know, like at that point I was going to fight back. I'd never physically fought back. Um, And um, at that moment I knew that I would have, I would have, I didn't care that he had guns. I didn't care. Like I was going to fight back at that time. So I had to go. I love hearing that. (laughs) I love the fact that you didn't you didn't let go of your faith because a lot of people their beliefs are the first thing that goes when adversity strikes is Mm -hmm. I don't believe in myself I don't believe in my higher power I don't believe that anybody's got my back because adversity Mm -hmm. has struck and now they think that everybody's against them when in all reality that's not the case that's not the case at all absolutely I was gonna say I know that place very, very, very well, the one mm-hmm. where you're about to snap. Oh, yeah. I used to I used to be a, a hoarder and I used to bury all the frustration and anger and annoyance and it would often take someone pushing me or poking me constantly mm-hmm. for me to snap. And mm-hmm. my I say my poor brother now, um, I must have been 18 and we were standing in the kitchen at home and he was all the way up in my face not realising what was going on in my life at the time. And he was pointing his finger in my face and I can't remember what he was saying because I just remember everything went dead quiet. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And he poked that one more time and I just remember slapping him across the face so hard and then nothing. And I don't remember anything after that. And whenever I I came out and I was still standing in the same place and my mum was next to me saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, what? She said, are you okay? And I said, no. And I just remember their their anger and frustration from before Mm -hmm. that second Mm-hmm. And I said to her, where's David gone? She went, he's gone downstairs. And I was like, why did he go downstairs? She said, you just slapped him across the face so hard. And I remember going downstairs and mum making me apologise to him. But he said to me, you have n- oh, it was I'm not touching you. And it was that stupid mm. game. <laughs> yeah. But everything that was going on for me you. just hit boiling point and that was, well, I'm touching you. And, I, <laughs> and yeah. it's funny now but at the time that actually brought a lot of fear into me and that has only ever happened two other times since because now I know that I have to unload the baggage mm-hmm. and I have to talk about the frustration and I have to mm-hmm. talk about the mental, the physical and the emotional frustrations. Otherwise it gets to that point and it's not a nice place. And the second time it happened, I broke my ex's ribs because he was abusing me in a nightclub Mm. and I just said, had enough. And I remember standing up and my friend saying to me, are you okay? And I was like, where did he go? She's like, you just punched him. And I went, no, I didn't. She goes, you did actually. And I went, I need to go home. Mm. So I was exited from that situation, thankfully, but that was an ongoing saga that definitely needed to end. And I was sort of proud of my black self. Yeah, that, that was ended and finished on that night. But it's not a nice feeling to get to that point and then not to know what happens afterwards. Yeah. So good for you for stopping. I'd be a little scared to see dark <laughs> jewels and dark, dark Felicia, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It, Everybody yeah. had. I'm, I'm scared <laughs> of that place, but I now know how to manage and how to keep everything like liquid and talking about it. So I haven't gotten to that place again. Besides, good, but... uh, besides having <laughs> one million degrees because you kept pushing forward and using that as your your fuel and your ammo and your your shield against the world, was there mm-hmm. anything else that you had relied on during those times um, besides perfectionism as well that you felt because some people it's alcohol, some people it's food, some people, you know, mm-hmm. it's sleeping around or there's a various, those mm-hmm. are just the really bad ones. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, was there yeah, any, no. anything else that you had that went on that um, was your shield to the world? Like this stopped the pain from coming in? Um, other than keeping busy, um, no. When, when I finally realized what I had been doing to myself, I did take about a six month sabbatical. Like I quit my job. Um, I traveled, I went outside. Um, I discovered essential oils and meditation. And that's why the whole nutritional advising thing, you know, came on. Um, My body responded to the abuse in a way that I didn't understand what was happening. Like I developed a hormonal imbalance. Um, I was an athlete for most of my teenage years and into my early 20s. And then after going through all of that, I gained like a ton of weight and I was like, what's happening? And my doctor's like, oh, just, you know, go to the gym and eat, right? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you have no idea. Like I am a freaking, like I was a vegetarian for a long time. 
Um, and so that's why I did the whole nutritional advising thing, because again, I'm like, if I learn something, then I will do it. And so that just frustrated the heck out of me. But I, I learned too during that time that I had to heal emotionally in order for um, anything to return back to baseline. Um, so yeah, it was mostly just keeping busy and, um, and, and, and keeping secrets. Like, and again, it wasn't like I, I, I held the secret. My secret was that I, I hurt and I didn't want other people to know that I hurt because I would self soothe and, um, oh, and I didn't sleep and it wasn't insomnia. I just didn't want to sleep. Like I could have slept. Um, but I would not sleep, you know, when we would go on tours, I would be the driver sometimes. And so, you know, I remember driving to Atlanta, we did a show, we drove right back to Virginia, like the next day. And, um, I would leave, like we do a show in Virginia on a Friday night. I'd leave at midnight to drive to New York and get to New York at like six or seven in the morning. I'd be there all day and go shopping and whatever. And then I'd drive back to Virginia. Like that was, Yeah insane um so that's that's what i did to myself how on earth did you stay awake i don't know um i don't know in college i knew that i did energy drinks then but once i was out of college i just pushed myself like i had this amazing ability to control my mind like you know because the body has limitations well i'm sorry Yeah, no, the body has limitations. The mind does not. And so I would just say, you're not sleepy. You're not tired. You're going to do this and this and this and this. And then you'll go to bed. And so now in my 30s, I need naps like every day. (laughs) (laughs) I love naps. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, is it two o'clock? It's time. Oh, time to go home. I need a nap, you know. Um, But with school this time around and I I took years off you know I finished my master's degree when I was like 26 so took years off to go um to just live and do life whatever but I chose to go to school this time because um I needed that jolt um my brain works really fast and like my IQ all that intellectual part of me needed to be fed so I I decided to go back to school I don't know about you know if it was the best decision (laughs) because it's so much work Uh, but I I finish what I start so I'm gonna finish at some point but it sounds like now you know the importance of having rest and not being on the go 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 (laughs) oh yes like I have a lot on my plate but it's um I just have to be disciplined about it and I don't do it to the point of exhaustion anymore because um, I've done that and it's not been healthy and it's just not worth it you know when it makes you feel mm-hmm. like exhausted and drained and like you can barely function mm-hmm. it's just not worth it uh, but we're going to get ready to wrap this up and ask you your final five questions I know this time goes by like super quick but we want to yeah. be respectful of your time but and also our audience time Jules did you mm-hmm. have anything you wanted to ask Felicia before I ask our final five questions no I just want to say thank you for coming on and sharing your story because <laughs> I know you. many people that in my life alone that have been through the same thing and 
some of them are still going through the same thing. So it's the hope that they somehow hear this and can relate and then go and get some help. It's Im- yes, thank you for having me. It's very important that people see that there is not a stereotype of the type of person that experiences abuse because it comes across all sexes, races, religions, uh, income levels. It affects everybody. There's not, you know, a one set kind of person, but that there's not mm-hmm. a one set kind of abuse either you can have sexual abuse emotional abuse mental abuse verbal abuse you know financial Mm -hmm. abuse you can have abuse on all levels yeah you really can and thank you for pointing that out felicia because it's a very important thing for people to keep a very close you know eye on like what's what Mm -hmm. am i experiencing in my life why does this not feel right right so our first question is what does authenticity mean to you (laughs) authenticity um Gosh, so there's a lady who I discovered um, via TED Talk, and then I discovered that Oprah loves her, and I love Oprah, so I was like, ooh, yes. Uh, (laughs) I love Oprah, too. (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh, yes, we we share that, yes. Um, So (laughs) Brene Brown wrote this book. I love her. Yes, The Gifts of Imperfection. and I actually read The Gifts of Imperfection, I don't know how many years ago, but I was like, oh my God, I needed this, you know? Um, so she talked about authenticity. And I think at this time, there's like, there's certain buzzwords that are being thrown around. Mm-hmm. And um, some, I won't comment on that, but so <laughs> authenticity, <laughs> it's when you can be comfortable, brave, um, in your vulnerability and in being transparent, um, around anybody. Yeah. I like that both in business and in life. Absolutely. Yes. Very important. So how do you make time for self care in your busy schedule? Oh my gosh. So this was a lesson, a hard lesson for me, right? Um, I, even recently I've had another health issue develop, um, and I just tell people, no, I don't apologize. I say, no, I'm not available. And there's no, because it's, I'm not available. Um, I'm not being disrespectful if I don't answer a phone call, if I don't return a voicemail, but if there's anything that makes me feel uncomfortable or if I, oh, and that's the other thing. I don't chase after things, okay? Um, I believe that everything that God has for me, I will have and I I will receive. And so I do, I work, I'm a doer, but um, I say no and I don't chase. Um, and I do unto others, you know, I'm very respectful of other people and I'm, I'm a giver, I'm a huge giver, but I, I set boundaries very firm boundaries and I keep them. I love that. That's actually all of what I preach to my clients on a daily basis. (laughs) Say no, don't give people an excuse on why you're saying no and set some freaking boundaries. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I actually really appreciate because everything that you've just said, I know to be true from what you've shown me through our friendship. Yeah. That was, yeah, Yeah. it's so true. 
Well, thank you, Joel. You're welcome. <laughs> she is a giver. She has a huge heart. A huge heart. She's amazing. Yeah. So what is one tip you have for creating positive relationships? Hmm. Um, avoid. Okay. This is going to sound like it's, you know, common sense, but truly avoid negative people. Okay. Um, avoid people who complain, um, because they're just not there yet. Um, my mentor, fairy godmother, (laughs) Latrice, you know, I, I learned from her that, um, you are most like the five people that you hang around. And I'm sure she learned that from someone, but she has people who are like her mentors, like John Maxwell. Like she's one of the founding coaches of John Maxwell coaches. Um, Yes. I didn't know that about Latrice. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you want to be around genuine people. If you have no idea what that means, look at what your what, what are your values, what's important to you, not what seems flashy or, you know, what's popular right now, but what's important to you? What's your life story about, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, what are people going to remember about you? And if you can't be that authentic person every day, um, then you're wasting your life. Um, every one of, of us has something that the world needs. And <clears throat> each moment that we spend holding that in or running from it, it's a waste of time. Um, and so I believe that in, in one hand, we will attract those who are most like us, you know. Um, but then there are times when you have to go and seek those people out. I, when I go to res, <clears throat> when I go to residency for a school, like one of my best friends who I see maybe once a year is a neurologist, like in Idaho. Okay, <laughs> but she's like my person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you person. preaching to the choir now. Yeah. My yeah. person's so, moving back to Australia soon. <laughs> oh. So yeah, you, you have to you have to know who you are in order to create those positive relationships. Um you can't get anywhere without knowing who you are and what's important to you. I love that. So what is one struggle that you have as a modern woman? One struggle that I have. Sometimes I just don't care. Like, okay, I don't care about eyelashes and arched eyebrows and straight hair, obviously. Um, (laughs) I don't care about that part. I, I I don't think that anybody should go out looking, you know, crazy, but sometimes I think that our Western, and see, that's the other thing. I travel a lot, and I'm in other cultures a lot, and, and we, in our culture, we put a lot of emphasis on the external, and I've seen a lot of people cover up, you know, when I say cover up, I mean, they're made up. They got on red bottoms, and they've got the latest everything, and they're a mess. They're a mess, and they 
project that they're something that they're not. Um, and sometimes the only difference between people are what's in their bank account. Yeah. Yep. It's a that's, shield. You know? You know? Shield. So, yeah, that's just, I just don't care sometimes about what people think I should care about. But, yeah. I care about what matters, you know? We're the same way. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Coming to America from Australia and having lived in other places, I was just like, the entitlement here is through the roof, not to offend anyone, but it has been a really rude culture shock coming over and just thinking, where the heck did you think you came from? I'm human and you're human and there shouldn't be... Those yes. things put in place, but oh my gosh, Jules, we talked about that the first time we yeah, had yeah, coffee. we did. <laughs> I just remember we were at Mocha. We talked about yes, so yes, that's that's exactly it. What is one <laughs> motto that you live by? Oh my gosh, I just posted this on Instagram Sunday night, Woo-woo. oh Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's, there's, I have to roll it took on and I can't remember who said this right now so I'm sorry but it's fall in love with um, the progress and you'll fall in love with the outcome Ooh, I like that one yeah, yeah. I can't remember who said it but I love it I'm um, stealing it yes and it's so it's like we focus so much on what the outcome will be or what the end is that we get lost we don't get to experience the right now we don't get to pay attention to how we're changing and how we're growing and evolving because we, we want to be over there already. And that's not what it's all about. That's awesome. Well, Fee, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We'll have all of your links linked up in our show notes so everybody can follow you and get in touch with you and love on your hair because you said you don't like to straighten it, but I love it just the way it is. I think it's beautiful. I wish my hair could look like that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But thank you again for being on our podcast. We really enjoyed having you and being so open and honest and real with our audience. Thank you, ladies. I had so much fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Inspired Women Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, write us a review, and share this out with your friends and family. See you next week.